Chapter Fifty Five of Adam Bede. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Belinda Brown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Adam Bede by George Eliot. Chapter Fifty Five. Marriage Bells. In little more than a month after the meeting on the hill, on a rimy morning in departing November, Adam and Dinah were married. It was an event much thought of in the village. All Mr. Burge's men had a holiday, and all Mr. Poyser's, and most of those who had a holiday appeared in their best clothes at the wedding. I think there was hardly an inhabitant of Hayslope, specially mentioned in this history, and still resident in the parish on this November morning, who was not either in the church to see Adam and Dinah married, or near the church door to greet them as they came forth. Mrs. Irwine and her daughters were waiting at the churchyard gates in their carriage, for they had a carriage now, to shake hands with the bride and bridegroom, and wish them well. And in the absence of Miss Lydia Donathorne at Bath, Mrs. Best, Mr. Mills, and Mr. Craig had felt it incumbent upon them to represent the family at the chase on the occasion. The churchyard walk was quite lined with familiar faces, many of them faces that had first looked at Dinah when she preached on the green, and no wonder they showed this eager interest on her marriage morning, for nothing like Dinah and the history which had brought her and Adam Bede together had been known at Hayslope within the memory of man. Bessie Cranage, in her neatest cap and frock, was crying, though she did not exactly know why, for, as her cousin, Wiry Ben, who stood near her, judiciously suggested, Dinah was not going away, and if Bessie was in low spirits, the best thing for her to do was to follow Dinah's example and marry an honest fellow who was ready to have her. Next to Bessie, just within the church door, there were the Poyser children, peeping round the corner of the pews to get a sight of the mysterious ceremony. Tottie's face wearing an unusual air of anxiety at the idea of seeing Cousin Dinah come back, looking rather old, for in Tottie's experience, no married people were young. I envy them all the sight that they had when the marriage was fairly ended, and Adam led Dinah out of the church. She was not in black this morning, and for her Aunt Poyser, who would by no means allow such a risk of incurring bad luck, and had herself made a present of the wedding dress, made all of gray, though in the usual Quaker form, for on this point Dinah could not give way. So the lily face looked out with sweet gravity from under a gray Quaker bonnet, neither smiling nor blushing, but with lips trembling a little under the weight of solemn feelings. Adam, as he pressed her arm to his side, walked with his old erectness and his head thrown rather backward, as if to face all the world better. But it was not because he was particularly proud this morning, as is the want of bridegrooms, for his happiness was of a kind that had little reference to men's opinion of it. There was a tinge of sadness in his deep joy. Dinah knew it, and did not feel aggrieved. 
there were three other couples following the bride and bridegroom. First, Martin Poyser, looking as cheery as, as a bright fire on this rimy morning, led quiet Mary Burge, the bridesmaid. Then came Seth, serenely happy, with Mrs. Poyser on his arm, and last of all, Bartle Massey with Lisbeth. Lisbeth, in a new gown and bonnet, too busy with her pride in her son, and her delight in possessing the one daughter she had desired, to devise a single pretext for complaint. Bartle Massey had consented to attend the wedding, at Adam's earnest request, under protest against marriage in general, and the marriage of a sensible man in particular. Nevertheless, Mr. Poyser had a joke against him after the wedding dinner, to the effect that in the vestry he had given the bride one more kiss than was necessary. Behind this last couple came Mr. Irwine, glad at heart over this good morning's work of joining Adam and Dinah, for he had seen Adam in the worst moments of his sorrow, and what better harvest from that painful seed-time could there be than this? the love that had brought hope and comfort in the hour of despair, the love that had found its way to the dark prison cell and to poor Hetty's darker soul. This strong, gentle love was to be Adam's companion and helper till death. There was much shaking of hands mingled with God bless you's and other good wishes to the four couples at the churchyard gate, Mr. Poyser answering for the rest with unwanted vivacity of tongue, for he had all the appropriate wedding-day jokes at his command, and the women, he observed, could never do anything but put finger and eye at a wedding. Even Mrs. Poyser could not trust herself to speak as the neighbors shook hands with her, and Lisbeth began to cry in the face of the very first person who told her she was getting young again. Mr. Joshua Rann, having a slight touch of rheumatism, did not join in the ringing of the bells this morning, and, looking on with some contempt at these informal greetings, which required no official cooperation from the clerk, began to hum in his musical bass, Oh, what a joyful thing it is, by way of preluding a little to the effect he intended to produce in the wedding psalm next Sunday. "'That's a bit of good news to cheer Arthur,' said Mr. Irwine to his mother, as they drove off. "'I shall write to him the first thing when we get home.'" End of chapter 55 Reading by Belinda Brown of Indianapolis, Indiana